0: It's the Lord's will that children obey their parents. Welcome to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles, Jr., author and pastor teacher at Shiloh Church in Jacksonville and Orange Park, Florida. Ephesians 6, 1-3 gives two commands to children to obey your parents, and to honor your parents. Today, Pastor Charles will bring us the message, The Biblical Role of Christian Children. And now, here's Pastor H.B. Charles, Jr.
1: Ephesians chapter 6 is our text for the morning. We are in a brief series entitled Honoring Christ at Home and at Work. We have already considered the end of chapter 5, where the role of husbands and wives are discussed. In Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, the role of children and parents will now be addressed. I want to read all four verses, God willing. We'll look at verse 4 by itself next week, considering what the text says about parenting, but focus today on verses 1 through 3, but hear the text in its entirety. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, (coughs) that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. The Biblical Role of Christian Children, Biblical Role of Christian Children. As a boy, I was a part of primary Sunday school class taught by Sister Irene Jones. She would pray for the class every week, and in particular, she would pray for me that I would not have what she would call a prodigal son experience. To be honest, I thought she only prayed that each week because she was picking on me as the pastor's son. The fact of the matter was, the fact that I was the preacher's kid in her mind was just one of many expressions of the call of the grace of God being reached out to me as a child and She did not want me, like the prodigal son in Luke 15, to have to go away from the Father, away from God, before I recognized His grace and goodness that was already at work in my life. Years later, that would be my own prayer for my three children, that they will not have a prodigal son experience and as a pastor it is my prayer for the children of this church that you will not have a prodigal son experience. The truth is the flesh, the world, and the devil all seek to lure children to the far country away from God so that they may waste their lives. May God put a hedge of protection around our children. May God lead our children to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May God so orchestrate the details of their lives so that the children of this church will live for His glory. God must do all of that, but there is a practical way children can avoid wasting their life in the far country. It is here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 through chapter 6 verse 9 teach Christian ethics in relationship to marriage, family, and work. Chapter 5 verses 25, 22 that is, through 33 teaches about marriage. It begins with the role of the wife Wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord, and then it addresses the husbands. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. Now, as chapter 6 begins, the family is discussed, and Paul, in these four verses, will address the relationship between children and their parents. Our study is the, what Paul says about the children. But may I, from 30,000 feet, make an introductory point that there is a lesson here in the very structure of the text. It is important to note that Paul addresses the subject of marriage before he addresses the subject of family. This is a truth that needs to be upheld in the day and time that we live in. Recent statistics tell us that children, half of the children in America these days will be born in homes out of wedlock without the presence of both of their parents. That's the case with 50% of children born in white homes, 70% of children born in Hispanic homes. And almost 80% of children at this point born in African-American homes. Whatever you think about those statistics, it just reminds us that whenever we reject the biblical standard for the family, we only hurt ourselves. As a result, Juvenile delinquency is a rampant issue in our society, one that cannot be fixed until we take God at his word. God is so established that the tender lives of children are to be nurtured in a family environment of covenant relationship between husband and wife. Paul addresses what the relationship between that husband and wife should look like, and then having concluded that, he now addresses this issue of family beginning with the children. He addresses in the text the role of the children, and he says in chapter 6, verse 1, that children are commanded by God to obey their parents. I hope you didn't bring the reversed standard translation to church today that many modern people seem to use. It reads, Parents, obey your children. But that's not what my Bible says. Here. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. Without a doubt, friends, it is incumbent upon parents to teach their children how to live obediently. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. Children need to be taught by parents how to live obediently, but it is significant to note that in the text before us, Paul does not give the injunction to the parents for the sake of the children. He addresses children themselves. The assumption of Paul, as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is that in the general gathering of worship at the church of Ephesus, in a setting like this, that the children would not have been quarantined to another place, but that the children would have been in the assembly of the the body of believers and would have heard this instruction from the pen of the Apostle Paul, and that they would not have just been in the worship for musical praise and then go off to hear something tailored for them, but that they would have heard the entire letter being read, including this section, directly addressed to them. It's important that we don't neglect this biblical dynamic of the body life where we are accountable to one another in corporate worship under the Word of God. Children's ministries are important, youth ministries are important, but they must not be glorified daycare to get the children out of the way. And it must not isolate the children from the intergenerational expectations the Lord has for the body life of the church. If a child is old enough to sit in school all day, that child is old enough to sit in a 90-minute worship service. That's my soapbox. We'll leave that for another day. He addresses the children here assuming that they would be in the assembly to hear this and he does not just address the children here and he does not just address the parents. He assumes that the entire church needs to hear this. Singles without children, young couples with little babies, older couples who finally got them kids out of their house. (laughs) He expects that the entire church needs to hear these instructions here because in a real sense, The church is a family. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Paul instructs Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, but entreat him like he's your father, and younger men like brothers, and older women, treat them like mothers, and younger sisters, treat them like sisters with all purity. He is arguing that the church is a family, and in much as the church is a family, all of the children of this church are our children. And as a church, we must pray for the children. We must build up the children, disciple the children, point them to Christ. We must Instruct our children and disciple our children in the ways of the Lord. Here, Paul addresses what that life for children should look like under the will of God. the message of the text is simple. It is the Lord's will that children obey and honor their parents. This is God's will for every child here. It is God's will for you to obey and honor your parents. Let me show you that in the text. Verse one begins with this call to obey your parents. The word obey means is a compound Greek word, and it means to hear or listen under, to listen under, to hear under. That is, it is to to hear the instructions of one whose authority you are under, and thus to to listen with an inclination to obey. This is why, in many instances, when a parent tells a child to do something and the child does not do it, the parent is prone to say to the child, Did you hear what I said? Because the assumption is to hear is to obey. The term hear is stronger than the word submit. In verses 22 through 24 of chapter 5, the wives are to willingly submit to the headship of their husbands. But here, this word for obey is more emphatic in its focus on authority. God has placed the children under the authority of the parents. And note that parents here, the word is plural, not parent, parents. The previous passage talks about the role of husbands and wives, but as it relates to the children, both parents equally share God-given authority over the children, and the children are commanded to obey their parents. This is not a recommendation, a suggestion, or a nice idea. It's a divine command. And grammatically, it's in the present tense, which denotes continual, repeated action. Keep obeying your parents. It is to be a lifestyle of obedience. It it means, children, you don't get to choose when you will obey. You, You don't obey when you feel like it. You don't obey when you agree. There is to be a lifestyle of obedience to whom does this apply? The first question that gets raised from this command to obey your parents is, you know, what's the cutoff? What is the age limit? When am I free to no longer have to obey my parents? Those dynamics are cultural and not explicit in the text. The word for children emphasizes relationship, not age, but the point here is pretty obvious. This directly applies to children and youth, pre-adults, uh, unmarried youth under their parents' authority. Or here's just a simple standard. We just want to make up one. I just made this up for 9-15. I, I just, if we got to make up a standard, at least it's a good starting place. If you still live under your parents' roof, how about that? I don't, I don't I care how old you are. If you're like 25 and in your mama's house, This still applies to you. You want your own rules? So get your own joint. Do whatever you want to in your own house. But for those who are under their parents' authority, God has one will for you, and that is to obey your parents. Your parents. This ought to be the instruction of both parents for the kids, to teach them to obey the parents. When we hear commands like this, our temptation is to immediately start addressing the exemptions. When does this not apply? When does this command go too far? When is a child excused? And indeed, there, there are some relevant exemptions that need to be made, especially in light of the fact that kids can be subject to abuse, both physical, sexual, and verbal. But Paul does not address any of those things here, not because they do not matter, but because he is not basing the principle on exceptions. He is describing what ought to be the normal reality of family life between parents and children. He is not starting with the extremes and making special stipulations for the extreme. He is talking about the day-to-day life of a family. The role of the child is to obey your parents. This does not mean that parents are free to treat their children any (laughs) way. Ephesians 6 verse 4 we'll look at next week, God willing, says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The significance of that verse is that it places limits on the authority that fathers have over their children. Reminds us that Parents are not free to treat their children any kind of way. That is not what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying in the normal relationship of family life, it is God's expectation that children will obey their parents. This is not an easy command. We look for loopholes because this is not an easy command, and our flesh resists it. In Psalm 51, David says, I was born in sin." and in iniquity did my mother conceive me. Do you know what he means by that? He means that I did not become a sinner recently when I committed adultery with Bathsheba a year ago. He says, in my mother's womb, he says, there was something wrong with me from the moment of conception. When that baby comes out of the womb, that baby is a precious, beautiful, wonderful bundle of sin. (laughs) Sin just wrapped up in that baby. From the moment we are conceived, there is iniquity in us. And the word iniquity means to be bent or twisted. It's something, the way I define the theology, theological word for iniquity is that there is a virus in my software that makes my hardware malfunction. And the moment we're shipped into this world, it's the truth about all of us. Read the book of Proverbs. The Bible, in the book of Proverbs, repeatedly teaches that it is the duty of parents to use discipline to drive rebellion from the hearts of children. But will you hear the text here where Paul does not call for discipline? for children to obey. He says, children, obey your parents. Look at this next phrase, in the Lord. He is not suggesting that you only have to obey parents who know the Lord. That is not at all what he is saying. What he is saying is that obedience to your parents is an act of devotion to the Lord. He is saying to children, do you want to show Jesus you love Him? You love Jesus by obeying your parents. This is significant that he talks this way not not talking about the rod of discipline, but talking about devotion to Christ. By saying that you are to obey your children in the Lord, he is saying, listen to me, friends, this is a big statement. Children can know the Lord. He, He makes this statement assuming that when... The children of the church hear this phrase, in the Lord, they'll know who he's talking about. And that their love for the Lord will, they will know enough about the Lord that it will move them to obey their parents. Boy, this is an important statement for us as parents and an important statement for us as a church. I'm a preacher's kid. I know how it goes. And I'm, 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 I feel like I'm a part of, of the last of a certain breed of generation of children. I didn't get to vote on church. I didn't get that. I was raised, Sunday wasn't Sunday in my house. It was the Lord's Day. And that meant all day. Whatever you're going to do, you better get that out on Saturday. Because Sunday was the Lord's Day. You know what that meant? That meant 8 o'clock. That meant Sunday school. That meant 11 o'clock service. That meant 3 o'clock annual day. What annual day? It may be usher's day, women's day, men's day, and then BTU on the other side of that. You laughing, but I know the Bible as well as I do, not because of seminary, but because of Sunday school. Godly people taught me the Word of God as a child. But I get it. I get it. Kids without playing, I was in church. I get it. I, I was made. I didn't get a chance. I, Listen, I, I just accepted Jesus in a sense as a child because I was a hostage. I said, I might, I might as well love him. Got to, I'm stuck here either way. First Sunday, I was a junior deacon. We picked up the cups after communion. On second Sunday, I was in the youth choir. On the third Sunday, I was one of the junior ushers. Every Sunday, we had something to do and did not have a choice. And I thank God for it looking back. But but so many that were raised up with me in church said, I'm never gonna do my kids like that. I was forced to go to church. I was made to participate. I was drugged to stuff that I, I didn't want. And I'm never gonna, I'ma gonna give my children time to make up their own mind. And that sounds noble, friends, but I just want to warn you, the devil ain't giving your children time to make up their mind. Church, it's sinful stuff that we as a kid wouldn't have known how to find. Our children can't hide from wickedness that we wouldn't have even known how to find. Y'all don't have to amen. I know I'm telling the truth. When I grew up, the music, I'm, and I'm not one of them nostalgia. I'm only 43 years old. I can't play on nostalgia. But still, I grew up in a time where even the music had double entendre so that it was talking about something, but the kids in the room wouldn't really know what they were talking about. Not no more. Now the music is just pornography set to a beat. And TV and music and and movies and, and so many of these things, the devil is going after our kids younger and younger. Yes, he is. You can't hide from wickedness. I don't mean no disrespect. I'm talking about wickedness, I'm not talking about politics. But but this this week. Early this week, my, my, my seven-year-old, I got home, and I was tired, and my seven-year-old says, come on, Dad, get changed so we can watch the debate. <laughs> I, I think this is the coolest thing in the world. My seven-year-old want to watch the debate with her old man. But then the debate got going, and I, gotta ch- I feel like I got to change the channel. The kids can't even listen to a presidential debate. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. We, we are living in a time where the devil is trying to take out our children and we as parents and we as a church can't sit back and wait for them to figure it out by our, for themselves. We must be determined that our young people know the Lord for themselves. They need to know the gospel. They need to know who Jesus is. You ought not be ashamed to tell them about creation. They tell them everything else in school. Don't be ashamed to tell them in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Respect science, but science ain't got all the answers because there's some things that scientists don't know. Only God knows. Tell them. That marriage is between a man and a woman. The kids need to hear that. Tell them that sex needs to be saved to after marriage. But you're too precious to lay naked to somebody that ain't made a lifelong commitment to you. Tell them that there was a there was a construction worker from an ancient ghetto called Nazareth who was actually God in the flesh. And he was illegally arrested and killed in an unjust manner. But God used his death at the cross to pay for our sins and raised him from the dead to give us new life. The children need to know that message. Oh, that ain't they. They they are too young. They ain't ready for that. They don't need to be hearing about death and heaven and he- they they kids in school all around them. Death is happening all around our young people. Our children need to know that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. And we ought not be ashamed to tell them the truth. And then that, we ought to be teaching our children to obey your parents. Obey your parents. Uh, That ain't about who in the White House. It ain't about laws. Obey. You teach them that, they'll learn it in school. They'll learn it in street. They'll learn it at start. I I remember I was in high school. There was 3,500 students at my high school. I don't mean to be chasing trails, but 3,500 students. And the L.A. Unified School District teachers went on strike. There were no teachers. So this was just a citywide ditch period. 3,500 students in my school during this strike, only enough students for one classroom showed up every day. <clears throat> About 20 something. Guess who was in that crowd of 20 something? Oh, cause Pastor just was a good boy from young uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. no, 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 no. No, no. I was in class because the scariest thing you could say to me was I'm gonna tell your daddy. Y'all not in here with me. I didn't need no police, I didn't need no truant officers. I just didn't want that old man. That old man didn't even have to touch me. If he talked to me, I'd be, I'd be in tears just him talking. God has so designed that we're to teach our children. I didn't mean to go all the way with all of that, but (laughs) the end of verse one, just bottom lines for you: should obey your children in the Lord, friends, because because it's right. It's just it's right. To obey your parents. Romans chapter 1, verse 30 says that a pagan culture under the wrath of God is marked by children who are disobedient to their parents. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, Paul will say that the signs of the last days will be that children are disobedient to their parents. Paul is saying, Children, you, you don't even need a Bible to tell you that it's right for you to obey your parents just natural law, should tell you it's the right thing to obey your parents. I'm running out of time, but I got two more verses. There's a second command I want you to know. Verse 1 says, obey your parents. Verses 2 and 3 says, honor your parents. Verses 2 and 3 Quote, from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 15. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 6, both record what we call the Ten Commandments. Referring to the Ten Commandments, verses 2 and 3 of our text says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This word, honor, reinforces and intensifies the call to obey. There may come a time when you cannot obey your parents. There should never be a time when you do not honor your parents. There may be a time where you grow up, where you're not under your parents' rule, and you no longer have to obey them. But the call to honor your parents father and mother, is to children of all ages. And by quoting the Ten Commandments in verses 2 and 3, he moves from natural law in verse 1 to divine law in verses 2 and 3. It's not just the right thing to do. God commands it. God commands children to honor their father and their mother. This, of course, reinforces the call to obey how you treat your parents, how you respond to your parents, how you act towards your parents is implied here. But deeper than that, the concern of the word honor, which means to respect or to revere, it can also be translated to fear. It's about an attitude of the heart. And the concern here is not just your behavior, it's also your attitude. You can, you can hate someone and still obey them. Some people call that work. But you can't, you can't, you can't hate someone and honor them. The the text says don't just obey them, honor your parents, respect your parents, revere your parents. It's more than external behavior, it's an internal attitude of submissiveness and obedience and respect. As they're driving about, Junior's jumping about in the backyard, His dad, in the back seat, that is. Dad says, son, uh-uh, you got to sit down and buckle back up. Junior says, I don't want to, Dad. I'm having fun. Son, it's dangerous. I, I said, sit down and buckle up. I heard you, Dad. I don't want to. Mom saves the day, she turns around, she grabs Junior by the ear, sits him down into that seat and says, basically what your dad is saying, son, is either buckle up or you're in big trouble. He complies, but as he's buckling up, he mumbles under his breath. I may be sitting down on the outside but I'm still standing up on the inside. This is not what is pleasing to the Lord. The next passage, verses 5 through 9, I'll call this eye service, where you do what pleases them while you're in front of them, masking a heart of rebellion. The word here, honor, means respect your parents. And, this, and this, this is a command to children of all ages. I think we confuse what happens in the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down off Mount Sinai with these tablets. And he reads the tablets to the entire congregation. You shall have no other gods. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Honor the Sabbath. And then we act like Moses got to the fifth commandment and said, all right, I want all you adults to get in the back, and I want all the children to come up front. And little children, remember, God wants you to be nice to mommy and daddy. Mm -mm. The fifth commandment is is not the children's sermon of the Decalogue. The call to honor your parents goes out to children of all ages. I don't care how old you are, I don't care how many children you have. You you are never free to dishonor your parents. If If you are 330 or 300, God says, Honor your parents. With me? If you live with them or they live with you, God says, honor your parents. If if they pay your bills or you pay their bills, God says, honor your parents. If they tuck you in at night or at this point you have to tuck them in at night, God says, Honor your parents. No excuses, no exemptions, no exceptions. Just hold on to your pew for a minute. Let me just flesh that out. I don't have time to go through this in detail. Let me just flesh it out for you with a list. Honor. God says, honor your parents. God says, Honor your adoptive parents. God says, Honor your foster parents. God says, Honor big mama or auntie or uncle that raised you like you were their own in the absence of your parents god says honor your step parents god says honor Parents who have died. God even says, honor your unsaved parents. There are no excuses, no exemptions, no exceptions. If I as to how. How? You don't know my story. My, my parents weren't there, or maybe my parents were there, and I wish they weren't there. You don't know the pain and the difficulty and the hardship that I had to go through in my upbringing. You, you don't know. I don't have time to you. Yes, I do, Be- because every one of us in here grew up in a dysfunctional home. Everyone in here. No perfect houses here. None. All of us, all of us are sinners, and, and every one of us, there's nobody here that's got a perfect story. Everybody here... You you where you are, watch me. You where you are for two reasons. Because of and in spite of. Let me tell you something. You write this down. My past may explain me, but it does not excuse me. You can spend your whole life if you ain't careful on some couch complaining about what didn't happen right yesterday. And, friends, Whatever has happened. And I'll say that as I got stories just like you got stories. And let me tell you something. I can't spend my life rehearsing those stories because it, whatever happened, God kept me. I said, He kept me. Not, not only did he, he keep me, but he, He's still keeping me. He's got me here for a reason. In spite of whatever happened that should have took me down, he still has me here for a reason. And I can't spend so much time rehearsing yesterday that I allow yesterday to run my today and ruin my tomorrow. Sometimes you got to be like Joseph. You know what Joseph said to his brothers who he could legitimately blame for the things that went wrong in his life? You know what he said in Genesis 50 verse 20? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God, maybe that's enough to shout on by yourself, but God meant it for good. Is there a witness for that? That sometimes the worst people who have hurt you are people that should have loved you, people you should have been able to trust and lean on. But but what was meant for evil, God is able to bring it out for your good. So you, you have no excuse. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Even if you can't honor the person, honor the position God's given them in your life. Whatever you you think about them, God thought enough of them to use them to bring you into the world, to raise you, to nurture you you to where you are. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. God forbid you get pulled over for speeding this week cop pulls you over for speeding, asks for your license and registration and stuff, you're not going to say, well, before we go any further, what's your driving record? Have you ever been speeding? How many tickets, before you issue a ticket, have you ever gotten tickets for speeding? You're not going to do that. Please don't do that. We wouldn't think to do that because without knowing the police officer's driving record, we just respect the position that he's of authority. In a courtroom, that that judge and lawyers could be good friends, but the, the, the lawyers don't address the judge. Hey, Bill, I think I got a good case today. Jackie, I think we should throw this one out. No, they don't, they don't call the judge by his or her name. They don't even call the judge by his or her title judge. You know how they address the judge? Your Honor, because of the position of authority. And, and, and the text is saying even if you can't honor the person, honor the position God has given them in your life. God takes this seriously. Exodus 21 verse 15 says, Whoever strikes his father and mother should be put to death. I want you to hear that. God says, if you put your hands on your parents, if if anybody's caught putting their hands on their parents, check them out of here. Exodus 21 verse 17 says, If anyone curses his mother or father, they should be put to death. If, if, If you are caught cursing your parents, he says, check them out of here. God takes this seriously, and He says, if you obey, there'll be prosperity and longevity. It'll go well with you, and you'll live long in the land. Life will be more miserable and shorter if you disobey. This is not a perfect guarantee because the perfect child named Jesus perfectly pleased his parents and was still cut off at 33. It's just a general principle being stated here that can be stated this way, disobedience robs us, obedience enriches us. And let me say one more thing, children, because you may not feel that way. But the thing about it is, God gives rewards if you serve him, and the devil gives rewards if you serve him. The thing about it is the devil gives all of his rewards up front. It's all good now, but you got to deal with the consequences later. But if you, if you serve the Lord, it might not feel good now. But if you stick with the Lord, serving the Lord will pay off. After a while, there was a rebellious son named, oh, son of David named Absalom. He was handsome, he was charming, and he was corrupt. He had a loving father, but in his heart of rebellion was just, just a rebellious heart trying to find a way to, to take his father's throne. Family turmoil broke out. He used this as an opportunity, not just to address the issue, but to use this as an occasion to to try to usurp his father's authority. People started coming after him with complaints. <coughs> and instead of correcting them, Absalom said, Well. Yeah, that's what you get with a king like David. Things would be better if I was king. And through his rebellion, he, he took many of the loyal servants of David, and they joined his insurrection. It was so bad that David had to flee from Jerusalem and his throne from his own son. Read 2 Samuel chapter 18, and I'm through. When they finally go to war... Before the battle, David instructs his servants, Be gentle with the lad Absalom for my sake. As much as that boy had broke his heart, here's a real parent's heart. He says, if you catch my son, go easy on him for my sake. When he gets the news that Absalom has died in battle, he cries out, Oh, Absalom, my beloved son, Absalom, my beloved son, how much did I wish that it was me instead of you, my beloved son Absalom? He tried to take his daddy's throne. He broke his daddy's heart. He shamed his daddy's name. And at his death, the daddy cried out, I love that boy so much I wish I could have died in his place. I'm finished. But all of us are rebellious children. Yet we have a father in heaven, the king, who didn't just wish He could take our place, He did it. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you repent of your sins, run to the cross, look to Jesus, Trust in his blood and throw yourself on the mercy of God. Today, no matter who you are, what you've done, you can have a brand new beginning in Christ. God be praised for his word. God be
0: praised for his word. Thanks for listening to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. If you'd like more resources from Pastor Charles or to support this ministry, you can reach us online. At CutStraight.org That's CutStraight.org Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.